this church means a whole lot to me. Like Kurt said, uh, I grew up um, in the youth group um, when, I, when I was able to come. And then also another factor that came into play was I, I grew up playing hockey. Um, I started playing hockey when I was five. I don't know how many hockey fans, Boston Bruins fans, anybody in here, Bruins fan? Any other teams? Anybody else have a, have a different team? I don't know. Montreal, oh man, you're, you should probably, probably get out. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of, I think God loves everybody, but Montreal fans, I don't know how he feels about them. <laughs> it's okay though, we'll forgive you for tonight. Um, yeah, so I grew up playing hockey. Again, really blessed to have a family that cultivated, helped me cultivate that talent. Um, I'm uh, currently in college. I go to Liberty University. It's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, God's good. God's good. Any, anybody from Liberty University? Anybody go to Liberty University? Oh, my man. There he is. When did you go to Liberty University? When? Yeah, what year? You know? 83. 83. So you had to wear, like, shirt, tie. Jerry Falwell was walking around campus. For those who don't know, Jerry Falwell was the founder of Liberty University, very strong man of God, um, pioneered something incredible today. Um, you know, it was such a blessing to go to that school. For you, those of you who are looking uh, for a school to find your, your, you know, your kids to go to, I know I'm biased, but I, and I've only spent one year so far at Liberty, um, and my friend here can probably tell you it was amazing in 1983 and is even more amazing now. The school was in debt, like maybe five set 10 years ago, and now it's one of the most applied schools in the country. It's the largest nonprofit in the country. They have almost 100,000 students online and residential. They have a $1.3 billion endowment now. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr. is absolutely amazing, um, which is Jerry Falwell's son. Jerry Falwell passed away in 2007, but the school continues to amaze me. I'm a... I'm a um, a double major and a minor at Liberty. Um, I'm a major in finance and economics, and then a minor in accounting. Um, so Liberty's really helped me foster my passion. Um, I'm blessed. I'm doing my third um, internship downtown um, this summer. I'm working in, in what's called the hedge fund. Um, and I say all that not to boast in, in my abilities, but give you guys a concept and a background of what God's really starting to shape in my life. So hopefully I can really kind of explain and and kind of uh, share that today. Um, what I really want to start diving into is this concept of boldness and courage. Um, I think boldness and courage have such an important impact in our walk with Christ. Um, but before we go any further, I just really want to start us in prayer, if that's okay. Um, so everybody could just bow their heads and close their eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord. Um, we thank you first, Lord, um, just, for, just for you, God. Um, God, we really are inadequate, God, in the sense that we don't really deserve anything. You know, we were sinners, Lord. Um, we were destined for eternal damnation, Lord. But God, Jesus came in and saved the day, Lord. God, we are so fortunate to be in this country where we can worship you openly. God, we pray that your spirit just moves tonight in incredible ways, Lord. Um, just the opportunity for me to be up here, God, speaks to your ability because I'm, a, I'm not anybody special, God. I, uh, but to be used by you, God, it's a privilege, God. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, Lord. Um, so help us to make the most of tonight, God. Help uh, hearts to be softened, God. Um, Help your word to penetrate the deepest, darkest areas that we don't even know exist in us, Lord. 
Um, and most importantly, Lord, help me just to communicate what you've put on my heart, Lord, um, and I must decrease and you increase. So God, give us a uh, blessed night and a fun night and a night full of fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So like I said, I grew up in a family of missionaries, um, and I grew up playing hockey. And I've always saw my dad and mom, really they were out um, on the streets of Providence starting up this ministry from scratch. So I really was privy to this idea of boldness and courage. And we hear about it a lot. I think a lot of times, everybody here, someone, everybody has like a devotional, right? Does everybody like try to read a devotional? I don't know. There's Joyce Meyer. There's, there's tons of devotionals. And I guarantee you in your devotional 365 days, there's a, there's a section on boldness and courage. And there's probably a cool verse, um, definitely, definitely a verse that's really encouraging for the day, and it really gets you out there and makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be courageous today. But it, it stops at that. I believe that, especially my generation in this whole instant gratification type time of technology um, and conversation, we really aren't maximizing our abilities to learn really what it means to be bold and courageous. You know, in VBS, we hear stories of David and Goliath, um, Samson, Gideon. I mean, the, li- the list goes on. We, Jonah, I don't know if you'd say Jonah was really courageous, but to even walk in Nineveh, I, I don't think I would want to do it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so with all that being said, we hear about what courage is and how it's displayed in the Bible, but we're really not told how to enact it in our day-to-day life. I don't know about anybody here, but I have never seen a nine-foot giant carrying a 150-pound sword. And I've never been tied down to cylinders on the bottom of a stadium after having my eyes gouged out. I, I, I don't think I've ever faced an army in my entire life. Um, but I can tell you I'm a student. You know, this summer and the last few summers, I've had the opportunity to work a job in an office I like to go to the gym sometimes. <laughs> I play a sport. What's so, what's so courageous about that? Who, everybody here mostly, right? Everybody here has worked a job in their life or has been a mom. Being a mom is an incredible job as well, so I definitely, you know, all that counts. Or walked to school. Everybody here has been a student. Someone here has flown an airplane or been on an airplane. Someone here has gone to the post office. Someone here has gone to the grocery store. So how the heck are we supposed to be courageous and bold in those situations? So I was praying about it. I love, I was telling Kurt, I love to, uh, when I'm really preparing, not that I'm the most experienced preacher yet, you know, I still have a long way to go, um, but I've, I've been able to, to preach in a few areas and with hockey or sports ministry camps and, and impact, and, and I love just popping in my earbuds, and I was just cranking out Need to Breathe. I don't know if everybody here has heard Need to Breathe or Ben Rector, uh, Sons and Daughters, so I was cranking away, and God was really just laying it on my heart, and he just brought me to this concept of boldness. So I really think what I really want to focus in on today is how to be bold in the vehicle of the town of which God has gifted us with. Not to go out and take on ISIS. Not to go out and protest in front of the White House about gay marriage and abortion. While all those, all those things are very hot topics and I think Christians need to be passionate about speaking out against. But in our day-to-day life, in the small things... If we want to be good in the big things, right, all these political topics, if we want to change the world, but we're not in our Bible every morning, how are we supposed to change anything? So 
I'd like to share a story, really how God's really cultivated this concept in my life. As Kurt made a notion to, I definitely um, have really started to learn what this idea of boldness amongst persecution and boldness in, in the small things mean. So growing up, about 10 years old, I really started getting into hockey, made my first travel team, so I traveled around Rhode Island, New England, I thought I was the man. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty cool hockey, a tough sport, right? I'm a goalie, taking pucks off the head. You know, thankfully, I still have enough brain cells to even communicate up here. Uh, it's a blessing. God's good. Amen, right? Amen. Um, and I, you know, I've seen my parents do ministry, and I'm seeing my dad and mom talk to drug addicts and prostitutes and, and, and the broken down, and I go, I'm in the car one day, and I go, Dad, how do I be bold? right? And I'm paraphrasing, right? I'm 10 years old, so I'm trying, you know, I, I don't remember the, I don't have the dialogue in front of me, but I remember the concept. I remember what we were talking about. I'm like, Dad, how do I, like, worship God, or how do I be a Christian in the setting I'm in? My dad says, well, what do you like to do? And after, I, after, you know, the first thing came to my head, I was like, oh, I like to eat, you know, or, <laughs> or, or you know, <laughs> I like sports. But no, my dad kept pushing me. I go, well, I really like hockey. Like, I love to play hockey. Okay, let's roll with it. What does that mean? Well, I, I, love, I love what hockey is. What talent has God given you then? Well, I believe God's given me a talent to play hockey right now. And my dad goes, well, how do you, how do you use hockey to worship God? And I, I go, wow, that's a, that's a good question. Let me, let me get back to you on that one. <laughs> so, you know, I'm reading and I'm thinking, you know what? I know what I can do. I'm 10 years old. I can, I can bring my Bible in the locker room. Well, I did not know that a Bible in a locker room caused so much uprising amongst people. Man, that was, <laughs> thank my dad every day now. But, uh, but yeah, I brought my Bible in the locker room, and I started praying. I started cranking out uh, old Newsboys albums on my first iPod Nano, uh, <laughs> trying to get hyped up for games. And I couldn't believe how much I was immediately persecuted for just bringing a Bible in the locker room. Kids automatically started making fun of me. I had my own teammates ridiculing me before games. Guys would be happy that I got scored on. And I, I, you know, I know some people in the church here. I'm sure people have met me. I'm not a, I don't think I'm a bad guy. You know, I, don't, I don't think I would deserve that treatment. But it happens. So you know, I, I, I talked to my dad. My dad, obviously, my dad and mom, very influential in my, in my walk here. And I'm working with them. And they're telling me to keep pushing, keep pushing. So I keep continuing on through hockey, and I'm about 13 now. 13 years old, I start on a new team. Again, immediately just ridiculed. I would make the team, but then my teammates would just not treat me just well, just really badly, always singled out. I was called vicious names. My family was ridiculed. And then one day, this new kid came on the team. I still remember his name. We'll call him John because I don't want to call him, you know, use his real name. So John comes on the team. Immediately, John drops an F word as soon as he sees me. Starts swearing at me. I'm like, oh, man, all right, God, this is going to be a good time. <laughs> so John swearing at me profusely, and, and I'm really trying hard to be a good testimony, right? So I don't say anything. The guys know I'm a Christian, so the guys are eating popcorn, you know, really excited to see what I'm going to do. So, you know, John and I, John keeps going at me, going at me, and I remember it built up until 1040 at a Thursday night practice, it was Thursday, Thursday night practice, or Tuesday, one of the ones that start with T, and, uh, 
And, oh, boy, was John angry. So we get out, we're done with practice, and I'm sitting down. You know, I'm sitting down. I'm taking my gear off. And John's probably sitting, like, probably where that staircase starts. But, you know, he's level with me. And, and John's just going at me, right? And I remember uh, the night before, I read uh, Matthew 5. I still remember it. And Matthew 5, I just remember it talks about turning the other cheek. So I took that very literally. I was like, all right, God, like, I guess we're really going to put this into play. I guess because John might hit me. So, so, so John's getting very angry. And so John's sitting over here and he's just yelling at me. And I don't remember what he's saying. And I'm like, oh, man, it's 1040 at night. I got to get up for school at SCA. I have culture fair coming up soon for Mrs. Johnson. So I'm already stressed. And, and I don't know if I had culture fair, do, But I just remember how I remember that as a subject. And so, so John picks up something. And I'm like, oh, man, John picks up. Um, it was like um like a roll of tape, because we tape our sticks in hockey, hucks it at me, dove, went into the ceiling. So I was like, oh, man, John, good thing you don't play baseball, right? <laughs> so, so, so John then, you know, picks up a water bottle and hucks it at me, and it hit the ceiling again. So I was like, wow, okay, yeah, d- okay, that's, J- John, really good thing you are not a pitcher. Good thing you're a hockey player. I didn't say that, of course, but so John then gets very angry and picks up a hockey stick. John, I don't know if you guys ever see like how they throw it in the Olympics, but like kind of like javelin through a hockey stick at me, and it like kind of like nosedived at the ground. So I was like, okay, like maybe I'm maybe I'm being protected right now, right? Like God, maybe you're you're really coming through for me right here. So I'm like, I'm going to continue just to turn the other cheek. I'm going to continue not to fight back. I believe in who God is, and I'm I'm 13 years old, so believe me, like, the way I'm articulating this to you probably was flowing a different way through my mind, but the concept was still there. So I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down, and, and John's getting even angry at me, at me, and John comes at me and picks up, like, the trash can in the locker room and tries to, like, dump it on me. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen, and all the trash just dumped all in front of me, but didn't actually land on me. So I was like, wow, that's really rad. Like, that, that's, that's pretty dang cool. <laughs> but, I, you know, in the moment, I wasn't obviously like, holy smokes, this guy's nuts. So, so then John gets even angrier, and John picks up, like, the trash can and tries to, like, throw the trash can on top of me. And then all this going on, it's like time was, like, not really, like, a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it was going on. But I, I just recall, I don't remember sound. I just remember being me and John, and that's all. The trash can falls to the ground. Everybody's might have been just quiet because I think everybody was like, wow, this is really rad, odd, you know? So after John kind of walks away and he, he gets undressed, and I get undressed, and I, for those who don't know, hockey players, everybody showers, so we all go in the shower. And so John's in the shower, and I go in the shower, and I'm still praying because I'm like, you know, God, like, thank you for protecting me, but he's in the shower, so I see him, and I didn't say anything to him, so I'm showering, and I got shampoo in my hair, and I'm, like, face in the shower, John's at my back, and I'm just kind of, like, you know, getting the shampoo out of my eyes, my hair, and I turn around, and John's, like, has his fist cocked right at me, and I'm like, oh, man, all right, eh. But it was weird. I look at John, and I'm like, well, John, what are you doing, man? Like, I don't have any clothes on. And, you know, <laughs> like, this is a little weird, you know? 
and, and John's like, well, I was going to hit you. He goes, but for some reason I couldn't. I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, I know why. <laughs> Again, I just let him walk away. So kind of diffused, right? Situation's over. Fast forward two weeks later. Um, and, and John, still on the team, still on the team. And, uh, and uh, we're playing in Pawtucket now. And I remember I'm sitting in the locker room called Lynch Arena. <laughs> and uh, John got a new stick. And so John walks in all excited. I remember it's a silver synergy. It's a type of hockey stick. I still remember it. I see him walk in. He's super excited, pumped. He got this new stick. It's like a $200 stick at the time. And I'm, uh, I'm sitting in my, my seat, not bothering anybody. And suddenly John walks away, leaves a stick in the locker room. And everybody, because the rest of my team, they weren't like angels. So it wasn't like they really were that nice. Like, let's tape John's hockey stick to the ceiling. And in my mind... Really didn't like John, but I was trying to keep my testimony, so I was just kind of like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> but I was kind of happy it was happening. <laughs> so, so, like, me being kind of the, not the brightest bulb in the box, they're taping to the ceiling, and, and I'm just kind of sitting under it like this, just watching, thinking, you know, I'm not doing it. God, I'm not, like, doing it, so you can't get mad at me. And, and so, like, I'm looking up, and John walks in the locker room. And as John walks in the locker room, the guys drop the stick. Whose hands do you think the stick ended up in? <laughs> My hands. So, John, Deathcon 5, Deathcon 9, wherever the how, how I don't know how high Deathcons go. I just heard the expression, but it went high. Picks up the stick. Susie just freaks out and swung it right over me like a baseball bat. So if he's here, I kind of flinched like this. And it just smoked the side of my hand. All I remember is my hand like turned purple. I started crying and I ran out of the locker room. And I'm like, wow, God, like, why did you let that happen? Like, what? <laughs> like I, I'm turning, I turned the other cheek. I like was crossing off the list like it was a Christmas list. You know what I mean? I was like, like I turned the other cheek, check. Uh, I didn't say anything mean, check. I didn't swear at John, check. And I'm praying and I'm crying and, and God was like, don't worry, like, I'm, I'm going to use this. Don't worry, I'm going to use it. It's like, all right, God, well, then please use it. And so after I get done praying, I look down, and my hand was completely normal again. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And so I, I walk back in the locker room, and I'm praying how to use this. And, and everybody was like, dude, do you need to go to the hospital? Is your hand broken? Because, I mean, everybody saw my hand. Like, is your hand broken? What do we, what do we need to do? And I'm like, no, I'm okay, like, God healed me, you know, God, and they're like, what? I'm like, oh, God healed me, so uh, John actually ended up apologizing, I ended up sharing the gospel with John two weeks later, and then my whole team at one point ended up getting saved, so, I'd love to take credit for it, but I can't, but I can tell you is uh, God definitely moved. God moved through boldness and courage. But that boldness and courage really didn't come through me or myself. God, that, that boldness and courage came from me harvesting the vehicle in which I was in and then making the day purposeful and useful. So I really, 
think that kind of really transitions to the topic at hand here. You know, I, when I tell that story, I never want people to think that I think I did anything. I tell people all the time, I am completely inadequate. You know, at school, my friends think I'm kind of crazy because I'm like really intense, like really focused all the time. I'm like, Connor, how do you do it? You know, how do you, how are you a double major? You play on, I play on the hockey team. You're on Dean's List. You have like a 4.0. You know, how, how do you, you know, you, you train all the time, and I'm not listening off these as a boastfulness, but I tell them, I say, because I make the day purposeful, you know, and I think part of that is courage and boldness. So as I was going through my testimony, I was like, all right, God, but how does this relate biblically? So God took me through a few areas, and God gave me th- three steps on boldness and courage. So if you guys could please turn to Luke 19. 1 through 10. I just want to pick it apart just a little bit here to start off what uh, I believe is the first step to really achieving boldness and courage in one's walk with God. So I'm sure some people here are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He's trying to see Jesus when Jesus was speaking. So I'm just going to go through it here real quick. Verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Jesus came to the place. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it became to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man? But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Today's salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. So here we go. First step. First step is recognizing what your calling is in Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus was the worst of the worst. He was a tax collector. And, and the author here in Luke, the author here makes mention to let us know he was rich. And he got rich through extorting people. So that would be kind of like the IRS coming to your house, knocking on the door, saying, hey, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, we see here you owe uh, $6,000, even though on the paper it says you owe 4000 So Zacchaeus was the type of guy that took 2000 for himself. And if you didn't listen to him, he reported you to the authorities, and you got beaten, flogged, or I don't know what the heck happened to you, but I don't think anybody really wants to know. So that's number one. That's why the people were riled up. Part two is, is Zacchaeus was searching for the Lord. It it makes mention here, it says, he couldn't see because he was short and got caught in the crowd. Who who here feels like we're just kind of, not really, we're just part of the crowd when we wake up Monday morning? Is anybody here? I mean, I feel like that all the time. I feel like, God, how the heck are you going to use me today? God, there's probably a thousand people in my building alone. There's a million people in, in Rhode Island there's 325 million people in the United States of America, 
and there's like 8.7 billion people in the world alone. God, how am I going to do anything special? I'm not a genius. My IQ isn't 150. I'm not six foot two. I'm not a star on Disney Channel. I'm not a model. You know? God, I, I, can't, I can't make computers. I'm not a doctor. I, my mind, I, I mean, sure, I work hard. I definitely work hard. But, but as far as my mind goes, I'm not anybody who can process information. I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not Warren Buffett. And that's exactly how Zacchaeus felt. So what did Zacchaeus do? Zacchaeus climbed up into a tree. Zacchaeus took a step in trying to seek out God. So it's interesting. God calls out and God says, Zacchaeus, hurry. Which, which in the Greek, that it's, it's, uh, it actually means like speedo, S-P-E-U-D-O. And it means to almost earnestly or sincerely, sincerely come after something with conviction. So Zacchaeus comes back, and so it says again, so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. In the King James, it's actually, um, it's actually haste, hastily. And again, so it means Zacchaeus sprinted after Jesus with conviction. With conviction. And all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. How many of us here all the time always think about what other people are going to say about us? Oh, man, if I talk about Jesus in my work, I might get fired. Oh, man, those, those people aren't going to want to talk to me anymore if they think I'm a Jesus freak. But Zacchaeus didn't care. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have extorted anything from anybody, I'll pay them back four times as much. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus realized what his calling was. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but Zacchaeus also was a record keeper. See, tax collectors, you have to be smart. You're dealing with money. And back then, we didn't have, we didn't have calculators. Zacchaeus was a smart man. So Zacchaeus realized, all right, well, it definitely takes, bold, it definitely takes courage and boldness to stand up to the Roman government. And Zacchaeus calculated for every person he extorted four times as much money to give back. So it sounds like Zacchaeus took what he was called to do, chased after God with intensity, and used his talents to be bold and glorify God. It's interesting. But sometimes people might say, oh, I'm still too scared, Connor. Definitely, I don't think I could do that. I really don't think, uh, I don't think I could stand up in, in my firm and and let people know I'm a Christian. Have no fear, the Bible also talks about that. <laughs> if everybody could please turn with me to 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. This is a very used verse in, in the Christian walk, but I really want to pull a few things apart here. I think it's very applicable to, to what I'm conveying here, or what the Lord's conveying um, through me. Um, um, here we go. So let's get a little background here. Timothy is actually being um, commissioned or by Paul. He's a young guy. Timothy is uh, young, and he's kind of really building a foundation here on how the early church should function. We know he's young because Paul actually tells him not to let anybody look down on you because of your youth. How many, how many young people here feel like, Connor, I can't do what you're asking me to do. I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm just in high school. Well, Timothy was going up against 
the early world with this new faith where people were being stoned and killed. So as much as I can relate to that, if Timothy can do it, we all can do it. But so this is with that context, this is where Paul's coming from. And he says, we, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment or a sound mind. It depends what your translation says. So it's interesting. I started really looking up what these words meant in context. <clears throat> so if you first look at fear, fear, uh, again, in, in, in the Greek is, is what it's kind of defined as cowardness or this idea of, of being a coward, which is interesting when you talk about courage because they seem like the polar opposite. When we're not courageous, we feel like a coward. So Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, don't be a coward. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> God has not given us a spirit of cowardness, right? We're children of the king. He goes, he goes but God has not given us a spirit of fear, fearfulness, but one of power. Power also um, is called dalia in the Greek. And power is interesting. Power is used a lot in the Bible, and there's a lot of definitions. And I'm going to read off a few. Power of miracles, power of moral excellence of the soul, power of influence, of rich and wealth, powerful in the sense of resources, powerful in the sense of having numbers, an army, a group of people. So we don't have a spirit of cowardness, but we have a spirit of influence, power of miracles, resources, army. Holy heck. We really have no excuse. So he goes, but one of power and of love. And it's agape, agape love, which is interesting. Again, I was thinking, well, okay, we went from power of army, which armies are known to kill people, to agape love. But let's think about, let's think about what it means for a second when we have to be courageous. A lot of the times, courage is used when we're sharing our testimony with the lost. I would say that when we share our testimony with others, it's, a, it's, a, it's compassion. When you're telling somebody out of love that if they don't commit their life to Christ, they're going to hell, you're being compassionate. Think about this. If you're sitting in line at the grocery store and, and a conversation about Christ comes up and you're talking about your faith but kind of shy away from, from sharing your testimony or sharing, sharing something in your life where Christ has done wherever the Spirit leads you, and you kind of ignore that, and, and come to find out you ignore that knowing that person's going to die and go to hell, were you loving and ignoring that, that spirit of, or that calling, or, or were you really not showing compassion because that person, that might have been their only shot? So God's given us a spirit of agape love, a spirit of love and of sound judgment. See, there's a time to be courageous. And sometimes we might get scared. We're like, oh, Connor, I really don't know when I need to be courageous. Am I supposed to just stand up on my, on my, you know, my desk at work and be like, I love Jesus? No, of course not. God's given, us, God's given us a spirit of a sound mind, moderation, self-control of the mind. See, as much as the media wants to paint Christians as this, idiotic group of radicals, 
God's given us wisdom liberally. Not just, not just a brain. God's given us um, this channel into divine spiritual thinking. Our brain, we are not inadequate as much as everybody believes that in their flesh and as much as everybody paints that on TV, online, in classrooms. We're the next generation in this world. And this world is either going to be, or we're either going to make or break it. This verse isn't just some cliche verse in the Bible. It's a verse of declaration and power. And it doesn't matter if you're five years old or 95 years old. Because age does not matter to God. God doesn't look at his, at his little book and goes, man, man, Susie's really hitting. She's hitting 70. Yeah, we're going to have to start winding her down off that spiritual knowledge. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jim, crank Susie down about 100 cc's of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, she's 70 years old. We can't use her anymore. Yeah. Oh, man, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby has a limp. No. No, man. Yeah, just start winding him down. It's okay. It doesn't matter. That's how God functions. God's thinking is not our thinking. So first, even equate how we think and how God's going to act on how we think is oxymoronic. It It doesn't calculate. It comes up error in the calculator. So, number one... We need to find out what, what our gift and talent is. And your gift might be, you, there might be some people who deliver mail. Delivering mail is so important because you get to see every house in your section. How many people is that? Just in one neighborhood alone. Some people might here might be, uh, I don't know, salesmen over the phone, cold callers. So you get to access thousands of people every day. So cultivate our talents in our job. Second, living a life of a spirit of not having fear, but recognizing the power in the name of Jesus, recognizing the love through Jesus Christ, and recognizing the power of our mind through Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. So you guys are there. Okay, Connor, I feel that. I rock with it, right? But you're still kind of like, well, what are the instructions, right? Because I can go up here and I can stand on a podium and I can tell you what the Bible says, but what's really important what the Bible tells us what to do. So if everybody here could turn with me to Joshua 1.6, please. By the way, what, what, I just need to know, what time, what time does, this, does this go to? I don't want to keep everybody here. I could, you know what I mean? Nine. Oh, okay. All right. Fast forward. Here we go, folks. Strap in. All right. So here we go. So Joshua here, Joshua has just is taking over the lead of Moses as they're entering the promised land. And as you can imagine, Joshua, I mean, he's, he's a strong, thick guy, but he's probably definitely shaking a little bit. And here's, here's what the Bible says. Here's what um, the Lord speaks to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them an inheritance. Of all, be strong and very courageous to be carefully observed the whole instruction my servant Moses has commanded you. Here we go. There's that wisdom and self-control again. Do not turn from it to the right or left. So that you will have success wherever you go. Yeah, as children of the king, we are called to be successful. Not a prosperity gospel, but we are called to be successful in the field of work we're in. 
This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it all day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we're called to read our Bibles. We need to be getting our daily bread. Guys, I haven't eaten for like two hours and I already have the shakes. (laughs) Spiritually, how are we supposed to go out and change the world? As if we skip on the most important meal of the day and I'm not talking about breakfast. Right? And, And I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. But we are all called to get our spiritual nourishment. How are you supposed to cure a virus without the antibiotic? Right? How are you supposed to deliver medicine if you don't have the medicine in your briefcase? Here's the last point here. Ephesians 6.17, please. We're going to wrap it up, all right? Here we go. All right, 6.17. Armor of God. Here we go. Did I say Ephesians 6? Sorry. Here we go. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. The sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. So in the, in the, uh, in the Greek, again, the sword, as defined in here, is known as, like a, as a knife or like a large cutting object to cut flesh. Specifically flesh. Right? Keep that in mind. And I'm going to read off Galatians 5.24, and we are going to have an aha moment real quick, all right? So Galatians 5.24. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So let's pull this all together. Fear is not something God has ever given us. Fear is not an existing spirit. God has not laid fear upon anybody. Courage is standing up. In the, in the face of this so-called fear, to be courageous and to carry this out, we need to know our goals. We need to not have fear, but we need to not have fear by reading our Bibles. The Bible is the sword that cuts flesh, and our flesh is what th- makes us think that we have fear. It's a one-way street here, folks. This isn't complicated. As much as we want to think it is, as much as we want to think we have to like pray for three hours and as much as we want to think that we have to do so much good stuff to be seen in the eyes of God as blessed, we're called to dedicate every day, one at a time, to glorify Christ and what we have called to be. And the only way to do that is through being fed, fed nourish, nourishment through the Bible with the idea of changing the world and the place that you are set today. We're called to speak up, we are the army. Amen. I don't know when we're going to die. I could die tomorrow and get hit by a bus. And I'm going to have to answer to God for every day I lived. I'm going to have to answer to God for every time I had the opportunity to talk about him, every time I had the ability in the office, at school, on the hockey rink, anywhere. I'll tell you one more story real quick. One of the guys who used to mess with me in prep school when I went to boarding school ruptured his esophagus from drinking too much used to brutalize me in prep school. Don't you know, two, three years later, I get a Facebook message from that guy. 
hey, Connor, just want to you know, man, thanks for being that guy. I'm reading my Bible now. After that, after, that, after that experience, man, I really see where you're coming from. This guy was an outspoken atheist. You never know who's watching you. If you change one person's life, if you change one person's life through your actions, who knows who else you can change? Because we're not, we don't, we're not called to see the fruits. We're not called to, we're not called to put the special sauce on the burger. We're just called to keep cooking in the back kitchen, right? The cook never, the cook never goes out and watches the people eat the steak. He cooks another steak for the next person. With that being said, I'm going to end in prayer. I wish uh, we had more time. I have my dad's, my dad's uh, preaching prom where we love to keep talking. And I know people want to get to bed. So I'm just going to end in prayer. And uh, if I could just pray for you guys, that would be such a blessing. Um, so if everybody could uh, just uh, bow their heads and close their eyes with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today, Lord. God, we are so thankful to be children of the King, God. God, we, uh, we come before you today, God, and help us just to really digest, digest the word. God, help us to be bold and courageous, God. God, I rebuke any spirit of fear in anybody's life, God. God, I declare that we have a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind, Lord. God, we pursue you wholeheartedly, God. God, I pray if there's any walls in anybody's life, that, God, you bust them down, God. But I really pray that you give folks a hunger, God, to know you more.